passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 30 of the Eggshells Podcast Companion. This is an audible companion to Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, a book that goes into deep detail on every single wrestling event that's ever happened inside of Japan's most famous stadium. We're right at the end of our auditory journey as uh, in this podcast, we have taken a look at a different year in Tokyo Dome history with a different guest. And to bring us home to the end here uh, is a man, I didn't think that in January I'd call you my colleague, Kevin Kelly, but uh, you you kind of are (laughs) now. So what a weird year 2018's been, huh? It's it's sort of been... uh... Yeah, the, 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 if you look at the whole of professional wrestling across the entire world, uh, there's been so much news and big moves that we haven't really seen probably in about 30 years, um, 35 years, because I think this is going to wind up being the most important year like since 1984. When when we look at when we we'll look back, we'll say, wow, it was very much like 84 because of the moves that are happening in professional wrestling all over the world. And it's good to have you as a colleague, by the way. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so many rumblings that I think I think it will really hit next year. You know, I, I think like a lot of it feels like, yeah, we're getting some some pre-warning tremors and, and there's going to be big, big changes to the to the whole to the whole world. Yeah. Of, of wrestling. Right. The, the things that are happening now with with uh with the UK scene in particular, yes. eerily reminiscent to what happened when I was a teenager and I grew up watching, you know, uh, different territories fall one by one by one under the auspices of the WWF at the time saying, well, we want to work with you and we want to make a partnership with you. and We want to make everything special. And, um, and then all of a sudden took all their guys and then squashed all the companies. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. I hope that's not the case, but boy, that's sure is the way it's looking. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I I was thinking when uh, I think to 1984, my my Japanese uh, sort of oriented mind goes straight to UWF. So anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's go sort of kind of up to date. And um, you know what I wanted to do today was uh, we're in a weird position, as we were saying before we we went on and started recording. Um, 
we're in a strange position where our backers will get this before January the 4th, um, probably well into, you know, it's early December. Here's where we're recording. Um, but I think the general public of, of post wrestling will be getting this after January the 4th. Um, so they'll avoid well, knowing uh, the context no, of, yeah, I'm here for, I'm here for your backers. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. They're the most yeah. important. They're the most, <laughs> not love, love the listeners of post wrestling, but, by by cracking, we want to support the these backers because you know the audio companion for the eggshells book, um, in many ways better than the book itself because the book is so massive, it's a huge book. Mm. I had to get, I had to move things out of my backpack, put it into my um, checked bag just so I could travel with the book. <laughs> You've thrown off my whole rhythm, Chris. I just want you to know that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I was going to say, like, um, you know, I thought you were going to say it was better than the book because I've asked you to be on it. Um, I, I, I didn't want to bring that up, but it did pain <laughs> me when I was not quoted, asked questions about, nor, you know, the first book I could understand because I was brand new. In fact, the book came out before I really, you wrote the book really before I started with New Japan. So I get that one. But I mean, come on. I mean, geez, I sat with I, I probably will make history for being the only announcer in pro wrestling history to have ever called a show with Yoshitatsu and Matt Stryker. And it happened to be at Tokyo Dome. So I'm just saying, you know, I think a couple of lines for, for yours truly sure. could have maybe <laughs> snuck their way into the book. But and, we'll make and, up for it. And, and me and Don Callis is... As it will, as it will happen on January the fourth, that's really. Well, we'll surreal, see. We'll see. We'll Anything see. could happen. Don, Anything Don's could. been a little. Don's been hit and miss, hit or miss with making towns, but hopefully he'll be able to find his way to this one. You get, you'll get like the biggest dates, you know, the the, the biggest stops on the chair, like Fujisawa. You're the one. You're the one I can count on. That's that's right. pretty much. Well, I everybody. Live here, so yeah, right. It's, yeah, we've got that going for us, but it's a. Um, it's a never-ending revolving door in the color commentary chair, which hopefully we'll, we'll find some permanence, at least relative permanence uh, in the so. next. Yeah. Yeah. In 2019, I, th- I think we'll have relative, relative permanence. I think. Yeah. Um, right. Jeez. Gosh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Tokyo Dome, because you've done both, um, what's like, I mean, just the, the general thing of, 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 the whole day of a wrestle kingdom and like the biggest event that, that we have in new Japan as compared to like a, a WrestleMania in, t- in terms of like your day and what you have to do and, and that whole like get up in the whole palaver. Um, what, how do the two d- experiences compare? In, in, it is very similar to a WrestleMania in this regard that, um, there are special things about January 4th and Wrestle Kingdom that we don't do any other day. We have to, oh, that, you know, oh, you must have your badge on. And they generally do give you badges. And we walk over underneath the Tokyo Dome Hotel um, in this, you know, very secret uh, type of tunnel that gets us from the hotel to the, to the stadium. It's the only time of the year that we do that. Um, and then when we walk in, when we go up through the dugout steps. It just like WrestleMania, when you see the massive 
building and the stage and the chairs and all the things, it takes your breath. And it's like, oh, and especially the first time that you do it, the first time you see it, it's like, oh, my God, I'm here. I can't believe it. Um, and then you want to make sure that you get pictures of it um, and, and that everything is so just big. It's wonderful. It really is. Um, inside, once the show begins, the audio is the biggest difference because the way the sound travels and reacts, the echo factor, especially early on, is, you know, some of the folks haven't arrived yet or they're not quite making the noise that they might be during the main event. The sound travels in that stadium fashion, and you know, the echo and everything else. And you feel it when you're at ringside. So it's just... Everything is bigger, unique, and if you've done a WrestleMania, you're like, get a little, a little bit of deja vu. Not gonna lie, mm -hmm. it's so, it seems so divisive. At like speaking to to the people that I spoke to in the book, of like, um, you know, your your Kenta Kabashis and and people like that who are saying that they hate that <laughs> that distance to the crowd, um, you know, and everybody sort of brought it up every time I asked. I asked, you know, guys like, what's it, what's it like working in there? Um, you know, there, there's the, every sort of, everybody brings up the size of the crowd and, and the distance between the ring and the crowd. And, and people either really like that or really hate it. Like Kotobushi really liked it. Um, but it's strange that for a lot of those guys, you know, they're, they're kind of saying it's easier and they're less nervous there than in a smaller building because people are further away, you know, um, it's, well, yeah. it's a strange environment. And I think that when, when you look at older wrestling and you do see it, you know, not necessarily New Japan, but, um, you know, the, the work doesn't have to be quite as tight in a bigger building. So, um, but guys are used to now that more, you know, uh, close environments and uh, therefore it, the work may not translate as well in a bigger venue. Um, as in generations past, but somebody like Ibushi, who is that, you know, big and bold and will take his moment and will have his head up and will look at the, you know, the upper decks before hitting a standing moonsault, for example, he's perfect for it. He's, he's tailor made for it. Mm. Um, looking back at last year's Wrestle Kingdom, uh, 2018, I, you know, it's, it's difficult because I thought like the best thing to do would be, well, Let's look at the the matches that we had January fourth, twenty eighteen, and and see where those guys are in twenty nineteen. But again, because we're on that strange place time wise, you know, kind of like, uh, yeah, I, I think we've both got an idea of what Kota Ibushi is going to be doing on January the fourth, but don't know for sure. <laughs> so like, I don't want to be uh, talking ourselves into a corner. So I thought, uh, let's look at the the top three matches. Uh, from Wrestle Kingdom last year, because they're going to be the top three matches Wrestle Kingdom this year, just with, you know, the participants shuffled around. So like that, that's made everything kind of uh, neatly convenient. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that means that the first of, of the three I wanted to talk about was um, Jay White and Tanahashi from, from last year. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're just, we've just come off the, um, 
World Tag League shows with um, with the Bullet Club against you know Tanahashi teaming with Okada, and that's one of like a thousand things of Tanahashi and Okada, like things that we didn't predict were going to happen uh, in January. But like really, you know, you wouldn't predict that Tanahashi and Okada would be teaming together, and you wouldn't predict that Jay White would just demolish them both. And like, holy crap, what a year for for Jay White in twenty eighteen. And I was a, I, you know, I I think a, some folks were not sold on on Jay getting that you know first match back from excursion a year ago against Tanahashi at uh, at the Dome. Oh my gosh, what a big spot! I felt like he did an awesome job. I don't feel like there was, you know, I think it was more any um, any critique of the match may have been more from, well, this is really like the first time these two guys have, have done it. Tanahashi, I don't think was quite sure about Jay in some spots. Uh, but it became the catalyst for an amazing year for both guys, because if you would have said after January 4th, that both guys would have had that year, um, that they would have, I don't know if people would say that, but again, there goes the Okada comparison again, because, Okada's match with Yoshitatsu wasn't exactly a barn burner and not exactly completely memorable. And there we go. Or, you, you know, uh, Yoshihashi, rather. Yoshihashi and, mm. um, and Okada. Yeah, Okada yeah. It was well, not a – it wasn't exactly, you know, a five-star classic. But I, I think when you say, well, look back at that match now and would you have predicted it? No, probably not. But look at where we are. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite possibly, you know, when we go back and watch Tanahashi and – Jay White again, like six years later, that you you would see that difference. You know, I I always find looking back. I don't know if you've seen that Yoshiyashi match recently, but um, you know, I rewatched it to do one of these podcasts um a while ago, and you know, we wound up saying that the Okada in that match he looks like an off model, <laughs> like as Jigoro Okada. You know, he looks different. He looks strange, and like how everything suddenly changed very quickly for Okada. I think like Jay White, it took a couple of months. You know, for people to go, oh, is he? I don't know. You know, um, before I think people really sort of cottoned on to to what he was doing. Maybe like him himself. Like you know, I mean, he told me in the book, you know, that that he wasn't. You know, he was still sort of feeling out, and that's got to be so difficult um, to be in that position, like on the with everybody watching on like the the biggest stage, and you've got to figure out who this person is um and do that in like a you know third from the top in in the tokyo dome that's like unbelievable pressure right it, it is unbelievable pressure but uh i think more more for, over the past year for jay it's been editing uh as opposed to you know once he's found uh those moves that he goes to each and every time he looks for those opportunities to put them in um they work they get the reaction that he wants and now it's just sort of been how the crowd has taken to them. And the more, the, the more he relies on his core values and beliefs, the louder and more passionate a reaction he gets. So you can see why the investment has been made so heavily in Switchblade Jay White. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's, the and- things, it's the things you can't teach. It's the things you, ju- you just innately know at the cellular level. Uh, and that's that's Jay's connection to professional wrestling. That's Jay's connection to New Japan. He just knows it. He just feels it. He can play. You know, he could. It, it's the guy who could sit down and play the piano with no no sheet music and play a song perfectly. That's 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 the comparison I can make. He just 
gets it at every level. Sure. Um, but I think I think that you know, I mean, the other side of that match, Tanahashi, um, you know, away from the the limelight for for a couple of years, but really this year, you know, it, it's he's without a doubt he's my MVP for for 2018 because he's gone through like the arc he's had over the year. You know, there's there's nobody that's had a more I don't that just. You know, perhaps the the situations he's been put in, but it's like, oh, he's got this complete satisfying arc from this point, from like the end of January where you know he was demolished, and it's kind of something we've seen almost every year. If like Tanahashi gets injured, but it's back just in time for G one, and and you know it, it goes on from there. But um, you know, there, there's been a sort of lot of up and down over over a year for for Tanahashi over the last couple of years, but like here you you really feel you know he's he's gone from rock bottom rock bottom all the way back up to to the top this year the the journey of tanahashi is um is a wonderful has been a wonderful ride didn't think we would we would be seeing this i would have you know been more likely a few years ago to move tanahashi maybe instinctively over into the you know nagata column yeah. uh then keeping as the as the ace, but uh, the work that he's doing away from shows and the physical therapy that he he's doing on a constant, almost daily basis, uh, I think is the reason why that we're able to still see him be as great as he has been and be in this this uh, arc of his career. It's it's been wonderful. So um, I just hope you know that we can continue to do this, and he's fine. He's found what's working to keep him healthy enough to be able to continue to go. Right, right. I mean, because traditionally it, it has been, you know, I mean, you look at it, that the New Japan's not particularly kind, especially over the last sort of 10, 15 years. Um, you know, not particularly kind on you once you get past 40. You know, it, it you really do see that that marked difference, you know, and it, and it happened to Nagata, it happened to Tenzan, it happened to Kojima, but like... Um, he's had a, a phenomenal year um but uh yeah i mean what do you think of tanahashi's bit specifically in terms of um the main event in in 2019 and in, in wrestle kingdom 13 and this it was really kind of more than kenny uh you know although i think like kenny has been very eager to to harp on it but it was more Tanahashi that, that brought up the, hey, this, ideolo- this ideological sort of standpoint and this, this wrestling philosophy standpoint of it, which is a really divisive you know, way of, of getting to this main event. Unique uh, is a great way to look at it, too, uh, because it is not, you know, that true uh, babyface heel dynamic, uh, good triumphing over evil it's much more of a, you know, an esoteric type of thing. We're really mm. looking at this at the, at the meta level of what wrestling is. Uh, but that's kind of what wrestling is now. I find I find Kenny's critique of Tanahashi's criticism of him almost ironic because that while, while Tana's criticizing Kenny for his style, Omega gets hot because he's getting knocked but that's what's selling this match. So for Kenny, who looks at wrestling outside the box, to me, this is the most outside the box way of building a main event for Tokyo Dome I could ever imagine. 
and it would say to me, wouldn't Omega truly love this? Because oh, I, I this think, is different. Yeah, I think you know, am is, I just yeah. am I going too far down the rabbit hole on this? Because I have spent a lot of time thinking and analyzing this whole scenario, and I love it. I freaking love where they're going with this match because it's so like it's so 2018, I, I, 2019. It, yeah, but and and it's also it's very you know it, it feels the thing that. Um, I get reminded of is there's uh, there's a quote in Misawa's book about like how uh, what his booking philosophy was and he was kind of like mm, you kind of want people who hate each other at least a little bit you know that's what kind of drives these things and just yeah I know Kenny doesn't like Tanashi <laughs> one bit you know and um, vice versa and, uh, and yeah. vice versa yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, I, I think that's that's sort of created a, a good deal of it. Um, but I think like I don't know that there's some parts that that kind of miss with me on it. Um, but I think like there's a lot to get into whatever level you look at it. Um, and I think that's what both guys are really smart at is kind of leaving breadcrumbs there for, for people that want to hop onto this comment or that comment. Um, you know, but you'll, you'll still be fine if you don't, you know, if you don't follow this stuff, if you don't pour over Tokyo sports every, uh, every day at 4, 4 PM or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the bits that I love about it is, you know, Tanahashi sort of getting around to this line about cruelty and like, that's that's what I really like. Is you know Tanahashi talking about? Okay, so pro, pro wrestling's violent. It's a violent thing, but um, you know you shouldn't be cruel. And he's kind of saying, you know, Kenny Omega and like the, the dangerous move cycle and, and hitting all these these uh, this ridiculously dangerous offense in his view. You know, this this is cruelty and it, it shouldn't be cruel. You know, nobody's going to watch. Um, nobody's going to watch these, these human cockfights and, and think that's, that's a good thing. You know, and I really like that sort of take on it because especially like if you watch the main events where Tanahashi wins, uh, in the Tokyo Dome, he's a prick. <laughs> you know, you know, he's the guy that's, that's cutting away at Okada's legs and doing the dragon screws on the floor so he can't stand up so he can do a high fly flow. You know, he, his, you, uh, you know, I think that's the story in the main event. It's like, you have to be like, a, you have to be a cruel prick to win in the Tokyo Dome. Um, but Tanahashi is saying, oh, you shouldn't be cruel. You know, <laughs> like, I love that. Which then goes back to, you know, storyline wise, which then goes back to Jay White talking about this being the cutthroat era. And, yeah. you know, this, that really is the philosophy with which you need to be successful now. And uh, let's not be hypocrites, guys. This this is not uh, – and, and the whole argument of, well, it's not ballet. Ballet is brutal and terrible and ballet dancers are great athletes. It's not chess. You know what I mean? It's a, um, hmm. it's a full contact sport. And But I think that what the – you know, what is wrestling? Is wrestling the drama or is wrestling the move? And that's it. Is is wrestling Tanahashi seemingly morphing into this, I don't know what he was at the at Budokan and you know, firing back eventually on, on Kota Ibushi, where he just began to sort of transform before our eyes and he could not be touched from that moment on. Or is it you know, Kenny putting Cody through a table to save Ibushi, um, it, you know, a couple of months later. It, 
it again different tastes different styles but you know when you look at booking historically you go in one direction for a little while and you don't do it too long and then you go in another direction for a while and you don't do that too long and you have to continue to change and more and you have to stay ahead of your fans which is which is the feel thing and that's the that's a real difficulty that's the art Sure, sure. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It's not entirely unique that, that you have like these, these different philosophies. And, um, you know, it was, I was watching for, um, you know, a, a different thing, you know, but I was writing about Suzuki Gun recently. And, um, so, you know, it meant I went back and, and watched the, the Tanahashi and Suzuki feud from like from 2012. Um, and that was by the time they got to that King Pro Wrestling match, which is, you know, what, everybody really falls in love with um you know that that was exactly it was pretty much this for one era removed you know it was suzuki being like the the crotchety veteran and you know he was hating on tanahashi's philosophy um you know suzuki saying you only said it recently you know that not enough people are in this for the money you know you need to be in it for the money and and you're there for the love of it and um you know, whereas here it's kind of like, like you know, I mean, we, we both love it, but for different reasons and, and different things, you know, um, it's the sort of next step in, in that, you know, in, in that sort of manner of storytelling. You know, I, I don't think it's you can you can take it as as meta, but I think it's 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 there's enough of that there if you want it. Um, and there's enough to ignore that if you if you don't want it, you know, um, you know, I think it'll, it'll be Plus, a hell of a hell of a ride. Plus the plus the, the the legitimate factor that both guys truly do hate each other. That Kenny has yeah. rabbit ears oh God, yeah. and over and overreacts, uh, and Tanahashi enjoys pickling him and taking shots at him from afar. And you go back and if you watch the press conference where they announced the match, and it's one of the most tense things mm. I've ever seen. It's so freaking awkward with the distance that was between them. You know, the two men just sitting on opposite ends of this long table with the podium in the middle. And the distance between them, I thought, was, you know, symbolic of the distance between them philosophically. And it just was, when is this thing going to explode? And it never does. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what that's what the art of this is. And I felt like it played out brilliantly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, If you're putting your fantasy booking hat on, Kevin, like, do you do, uh, you know, it it might have already happened. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but do you do the inevitable Okada and Tanahashi versus Golden Lovers like before the end of 2018 or, or do you save that? Because you can, uh, you know, I'm sitting there watching that and you, you could fill Madison Square Garden with that all over again. <laughs> that just that time. I have no, I would have no problem if that's the main event of the MSG show. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's definitely not going to happen before calendar year is over, but uh, you never know. Um, we might get some, some visualization of that, but yeah, there's, there's, um, there's definite directions to go the next year with these two and the, uh, you know, and the four, I don't think the Tanahashi Okada pairing is, was just a two off, if you will. It took too long to get there. Um, mm. I will tell you this, and I had said this uh, when I went to the studio and I re- did the English commentary for the show on the 29th. Uh, I did it for the 29th and the 30th of November. So both of those events. And by the time the listeners, especially uh, the post-wrestling listeners, but um, your supporters for the book are in, you know, enjoying this, this listen, uh, they'll be able to go back and watch those events on New Japan World. I did tell the story, uh, which I hadn't told before, about Ring of Honor at one point inquiring 
uh, several years ago, was several years ago when I was still there, inquiring about Tanahashi and Okada potentially as a tag team for a Ring of Honor event and being told in no uncertain terms by New Japan, uh, no, that will never happen. Mm. That the idea of these two even teaming would never be something we would even bring up to each of them to see if they would be interested in doing. And yet here we are now. So it was like, are they mad at us for, for suggesting this? You know, <laughs> well, no, no, it's okay. They're just giving us kind of the lay of the land that, no, no, they're, they, they won't work. They won't be working together. Thank you. Move on. <laughs> so, and now, but now here we are. So yeah. if that real, if that real, real is, is there between Tanahashi and Okada and the real, real is there between, Oh, you know, Tanahashi and Omega. So be it. All be it. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, from there in a roundabout way, uh, back to Kenny, um, IWGP champion Kenny Omega, like what, what's your, what's your take on, on his, his reign so far? Uh, you know, he might still have it. He might not, but the general public listen to it. Well, if the, uh, you know, by the time that the reign ends, whether that is January 4th or sometime afterward, I think then and then and there we'll be able to put our, our stamp on it. Um, it's it's one thing to be on the chase and it's another thing to have the title. And that might be how history looks back at that reign. And the coming off of being the guy to beat the guy, you know, Okada taking the title from or um, rather Omega taking the title from Okada, who had had this history making run, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, tough act to follow and different and winning it in June and then going right into G1 and, you know, not defending the title, but on a couple of occasions and, and he, he would need to really get, you know, a body of work for, for it to be a reign that people would be able to sink their teeth into and say, yes, he was an awesome champion or, you know, Oh, it left me a little flat. So once it's over that we could look back on it. Um, it's a footnote in history that Naito, held the belt for a couple months and you know you don't want that to be the only time that uh, someone gets the title you want them to have that that lengthy run through the uh the end of winter spring time so that you can get some defenses through uh kingdom new beginning you know and uh on and on and on don taku because you win the belt in June, then you go, then it goes on lockdown for, for two months. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the timing's a big issue with that. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that the, how Kenny Omega has been sort of treated or, you know, how his sort of outward persona has been. Um, cause it's very, you know, it's very strange. You know, like I first met Kenny Omega like in 2012, I think, at a DDT show in Shinkiba and um, in Shinkiba uh, they, they have this place. I don't know if you've been called first ring. It's like very, very small indie, you know, indie promotions use it like about 200 seater or whatever. And um, so DDT would have like these beer garden weeks and they still do. In fact, um, where you go to the show, it's 500 yen just stood to watch the wrestling so very very cheap um but you get in and and they upsell you by having the wrestlers sell play you with alcohol like, through through the evening so they they go around selling you beer and stuff and um 
so yeah, I was, I was at that show and when, when the, the event finished or whatever, Kenny Omega's standing outside of first ring, personally shaking everybody's hand, you know, and saying, thanks for coming out and this and that. And, you know, I know, yeah, I remember Kenny saying, you know, a couple of years ago after he won the G1 of having to put it out publicly saying, oh, sorry, I just, I can't take, I can't do everybody's podcast anymore because it's just ridiculously busy at this point. You know, because it used to be that you could just say, hey, Kenny, do, do you want to do my podcast? I've got like about 10 listeners. He'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I think like there's still that part of Kenny Omega now. You know, it's just that um, he's now dealing with everything on, on such a massive scale. And um, yeah, I can't imagine the, the way he's, his brain might be breaking at this point, you know? You know, and at the same time, he still loves going home to Winnipeg and doing those goofy bar shows, uh, you know, and and uh, being doing silly stuff. So it, I think how he keeps himself rooted in who he truly is without being just completely swept away by his stardom uh, is, you know, I think everyone does that their own way, you know, how they how they keep themselves grounded. Um, and with Kenny, it's, it, I'm sure it's a struggle because you think about from, from where he was and, you know, wrestling in terms of art and love and expression and now being on this global scale, uh, and, and, you know, one, one of the, if not the top box office attraction in pro wrestling today, uh, from everybody other than WWE, it's amazing. And even throw WWE in there because I would say. Kenny would sell tickets on par with just about any star that WWE has right now. And uh, that's, you know, breathtaking if you think about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, 100%. I mean, like he proved, you know, I, I think they all did. And, and the elite guys did, you know, early in, in Chicago, whatever. And like, uh, you know, I mean, you might say they, they priced the, the tickets to sell for, for all in. But like the fact is they still sold out the building, you know, um, which, you know. Kenny sold. Yeah, and Kenny was then on that uh, that uh, Northeast Wrestling Show uh, in November, and you know sold out the Mid Hudson Civic Center. And there were other names too, but it was Kenny that was the draw, you know. And it was the idea of the dream match, but Kenny really was the draw because everybody else that's on those shows doesn't sell tickets to the volume that that Omega did for this one. So, uh, yeah, he's 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 the man right now. And I think like he was, you know, I mean it it's eerily sort of reminiscent of, of what rumblings are happening generally, but sort of worldwide and, and, you know, especially with, with those guys at the moment. But um, a couple of years ago, no, last summer I did a, a documentary with uh, Damien Abraham and, and Vice, and um, we talked to Koto Ibushi for it. Um, you know, and, and we were kind of asking Koto at the time, you know, where do you see wrestling being in a few years? And, and he was saying, well, you know, he didn't see, he saw kind of a future where like the, the promotions, the, you know, people were less loyal to the promotions and the brands and that it would be a true sort of passing the means of production to the, t to the talent, um, in a way, you know, in, in perhaps a, a similar way to, to how music labels kind of got faded, phased out. Um, and you kind of see, you know, I, I thought at the time, you know, that that sort of rang true with, with Kenny's take on, on what changing the world really meant for him. 
And I think that's another like aspect of like this this title match in Wrestle Kingdom thirteen is like the the idea of to Kenny perhaps the IWGP Championship is like a means to an end to that person or to the cleaner Kenny Omega and like to Tanahashi it's the end itself um, and I think like that's another kind of interesting aspect of that match. Right, I I would I completely agree with that your statement and. That's another way to look at what this is. The title for Tanahashi is the end-all, be-all. For Kenny, it is just – it's a phase. It's a chapter. It's its part of the evolution and the growth. So another way to look at that match. But you're exactly right. And I, I think wrestlers always and sometimes naively believe that they are going to seize the means of production and this will become a worker-centric world. It's yet to ever happen in pro wrestling. Uh, and, and, but yet they've wrestlers have pined for it for decades, centuries. So I, I hope it, it, it is more right, but the brand always wins because they have the money and they have the means. And all it means is if, are we just bringing some new means and some new money in, um, mm. here we go. So that's really all it is because wrestlers financing, you know, a promotion, and getting it viable and on a level footing with any of the big you know, global brands is, is completely ridiculous. You must have outside money. And the dream and the fear at the same time is that the outside money becomes the overriding factor in force. Um, you bring, if someone says, I'm a lifelong fan, oh, please don't come in. Please don't come into wrestling. You've got enough of those. <laughs> um, but we're, we'd be much better off with business owners who say, I see this as an investment that I can make money with and I will allow them to go out and create. That's where you truly get the, um, you know, the boys taking the means of production and running with it because they are they're given the vehicle to do it. Um, that's always the hope. But right now we have. Many, 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 many buffoons uh, in the wrestling industry who are all claiming to be uh, knowledgeable. And, you know, most of them are nothing more than just lifelong fans who should be buying tickets and, and not having a say in wrestling. Hmm. Uh, well, somebody who's not a buffoon then, Chris Jericho. No buffoon. Uh, no, no buffoon there. He definitely knows what he's doing. Um that's another interesting year is the, is the year of Chris Jericho. And, you know, another thing like you wouldn't expect to happen, not that Chris Jericho, you know, I mean, it was kind of, it, it, it was, it was cool. It was definitely a surprise. It was like, oh, here's, here's Chris Jericho. But not only that, that he would be coming in as the truest freelancer, you know, that I think we've had perhaps since, yeah, well, maybe since Kota Ibushi, in fact, but, you know, a guy that can be on WWE TV one week. And then be a Don Tucker the, the next week. You know, that's that's truly you know, one of the the incredible story. There's been so many stories that this year that it probably wouldn't crack the top ten. But um, you know, Chris Jericho is like uh true freelancing um is is one of the most you know interesting tales, I think. And we you know, many write and talk about the the many faces and evolutions of Jericho throughout the years, uh, and how he's always able to reinvent himself. Well this reinvention to me is is it just speaks to him and his power and his gravitas within the industry because he truly can go and be anywhere at any time on his name alone. But when he comes in, it, it's not, he, far from other names in the past who have had that, that reputation and then they'll phone it in. He's 
works his ass off and just turns out this amazing different product. It's, his matches have been different than anything else on New Japan shows. They'd be different in WWE. It's just it's unique. And it he fills the void of what is missing. Um, you know, that Wrestle Kingdom last year needed that match uh, with Jericho versus Omega. And they needed the build and they needed the heat and they needed the, you know, he felt like this is where this can go. And then the match with Naito in June was different than anything else and something completely unexpected. Look at the role that he played in the non-match, the no contest between Evil and and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, you know, in October, which then led to the match in November, which was great for both guys. And now here we are in Jan- you know, in January with uh, Jericho versus Naito, a match that we could have said, hey, on January 5th, 2018, if he would have grabbed the microphone and said, next year, Wrestle Kingdom, Naito, you and me, and we'll tear it up at Tokyo Dome. Okay. Fans would have bought it. Oh, a 364-day build for a match at Tokyo Dome? Amazing. That's wonderful. But the way they went about it was so was so different, even though we all could see the writing on the wall from the minute that he attacked him at Dash, that that's what we were doing, mm. you know. <laughs> so I love it. I, I I think Chris is amazing, and I've always been just super impressed with his ballsiness and his but his smarts. It's not just reckless dive in, and you know, it's all calculated risks with uh, you know intense focus. The cruise, everything else that he's done, he's amazing. Yeah, it's um. You know, I made the point when I wrote the book that, you know, we, we've heard sort of double main event sort of trotted out so many times, you know, in decades, decades, you know, literally all the way back to the, the 50s, you know, and people saying, oh, it's a, it's a double header, double main event or whatever. But, um, you know, I can't remember another time where it was really a double main event, like, you know, in, in 2018, because like, it, you know, down to, you know, I think like the, the, the world team did a good good job of it on the website but it was just a thing of like you know you you click the little button for for japanese uh on the new japan world site and it, it was you know it was naito and okada like all over the front page but you know as soon as you switched over to english it was like Jericho and omega you know and it really did feel that there were there were two different main events for for two different not for two different audiences but a bit definitely you know those those different audiences were 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 most eagerly anticipating i think two two different things it, and i never really got a true sense as to how interested the japanese audience was in chris jericho on the run up to last year's wrestle kingdom but they certainly were enthralled with the match you know mm. what i mean like mm. i because it hadn't really been in tokyo with him we had seen the you know, the videos and the bloody attack, but that was in, the, those were in a way towns and the, what, how would Tokyo react to him? Uh, and then once, once they saw the jacket, they heard the music and they got it as he kept, was coming down the, the aisle. It's, oh yeah, this is Chris Jericho. Let's go, man. So I, I, I thought it was super cool and it wound up being a, a matchup and a main event for everybody. And, and, and the double main event, of course, goes back to the days where they would pay. Uh, well, we've got two main events, so everybody's making the same money that's working in the main event as opposed to, um, you know, I'm going to be in this main event match, but it goes on, you know, second to last. Mm. Uh, I know I'm getting the same money as the main eventer, 
because they used to, especially the Sam Mushnick formula, take 32% of the receipts. Half of that goes to pay your main event. So half of half goes to you when you're in a double main event. Right. Oh, I didn't know that that little detail. Mm. The, that, that's um, why it's always been a promotional trick. And, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, to the ticket buyer, it's like, oh, these matches are both similar. But it, it's the um, part of it, too, goes into the uh, we're securing this main event, we're securing this main event. And then they could go back and say, well, why did I get paid on yeah. this? Well, because <laughs> right, it's a main right. event. I've, I've got two main events, so I have to split up the, the money. Sorry. Yeah. I can't. Jeez. You can't have more than 100% of money. <laughs> we would love to. Can't. Yeah. I mean, they, I think as well, like the, the what made that, that Kenny match is, you know, I think like a lot of people were, you know, there, there was the, it was the sort of not not sort of skeptical view, but you know the the kind of expectation. Oh, we you know a lot of people didn't really know how how much how physical Chris was going to be. So you know a lot of people thinking, oh, you know they they can do this no DQ thing, so it can be a, a walk and brawl kind of affair. But you know it 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 was really tremendous how how much uh, Jericho put himself out there, and also like how different you know I think to to what you were saying earlier, like how different it was to to the people that were expecting the the WWE American Chris Jericho and and not in a this way is better this way is is worse but just in a you know I'm in a different place for a different audience I have to be different you know and that that's something you know, we talked about I think you know if you go back and listen to these episodes but like the the top foreign guys um you know even going back to someone like Hogan who worked so differently in Japan than he did to America and and that was like key to his appeal when you look at what uh chris has done it you know he had been away uh from new japan competition for 20 years but he understood it and knew it uh and knew what he needed to do and how to be let me be a throwback let me be a new version of something that fans haven't seen in a while and that true, unpredictable, wild man, you know, bloodying Omega, throwing furniture in the press conference, flipping his lid, just the, you know, and hard selling each match. How many times last year did he say Alpha versus Omega January before Tokyo Dome? Kept saying it over and over and over and over again. That is at its core what professional wrestling is. It's the art of promotion and hype. And uh, he's mastered it and was able to do it with tying in how to bring a different style and a different look of Jericho and meshing perfectly with Kenny. First time they'd ever wrestled. And, you know, two big physical guys who hit hard and uh, bring it. And, you know, Jericho had the battles with Malenko and Benoit and Guerrero and all those guys through the years. And this was sort of kind of that next evolution of those matches where they just beat the snot out of each other. Never in the face, not in the face, but hit each other as possibly as hard as they could everywhere else uh, just to get that match, get themselves over. Hmm. Uh, Another master sort of promoter, Yes, is uh, is Tetsuya Naito. So like we're stringing along these these segues quite nicely, nicely. But um, 
Tetsuya and Naito, you know, I think like the the main event. You, you look at like Naito and Okada, and in the context of of 2018, and it's like how these figures have, you know, their 2018 has been like how these figures have fallen somewhat, and you know, the the 2019 is going to be how do they get back up to where they used to be um, in Okada and Naito. I mean, most prominently, you know, I think Okada. Uh, who, you know, it's almost like the the start of everything going wrong for him was January 4th because he goes out, you know, and, and everybody, the only thing, you know, snarky people on the internet can talk about is his, is his trousers <laughs> and the long pants there. Oh, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. They're still on this. Oh. <laughs> I remember talking to Okada about the match last year, you know, before I said, anything, anything? And he says, uh, no, uh, long pants. Oh, really? <laughs> like, that was it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah, um, and and that really became what people fixate on. Uh, but I think that uh, yeah, I think it's interesting to see as business has gone up in New Japan this year, it, they've done so with Naito and Okada basically on the back pedal from the top spot. So yeah. fascinating, right? When you think about it, well, we have to push our top stars as main eventers, and if anything, New Japan has gone in reverse and geared both guys down and and business has gone up fascinating gives you gives you many places to go in 2019 yeah yeah you know but uh yes and all started with the trousers and then after that that remakes me i'm i'm so hoping you know from on a personal standpoint we we get out we get to like the uh uh, the third from the top, presumably it will be uh, the Tokyo Dome on, on January the 4th. And Akkad has changed his, his either changed the music back or gotten something different. <laughs> it's like, I'm, you know, the, the first sort of time it happens, like I understand, you know, you, you kind of understand why they do that. But um, yeah, I can do without the record scratch of Akkad's like theme every time. Yeah. But, uh, By the way, uh, we have a theory because uh, here in the U, I don't know if they had it in Japan, but for a while back in the eighties, they they took Coke away, uh, Coca Cola, new Coke, yeah, with new Coke, yeah. and and the reason they did that was because they changed the formula of Coke. Uh, they switched from regular sugar to high fructose corn syrup, which slightly changed the taste of it. Yeah. So they introduced new Coke as a way to get people to hate it so much, so that they could reintroduce the original Coke brand with a slight little difference. Uh, and people would say, Oh, thank God you brought my Coca-Cola back, even though it was kind of sort of different. So, um, you know, do you make a bad change to eventually get back to a freshened area of good? I'm not sure. The reason why the undertaker did the American badass was so the dead man could eventually, uh, uh, return. Um, it's all interesting to me. And, and it, 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 uh, but why can't he continue to go in another direction? Perhaps he'll wear oh, yeah. he'll wear a, Naito, a Naito-esque suit. Perhaps you'll wear short. Tr- you can wear trunks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Underneath your suit jacket, I'll be wonderful. I'll do the, the, the Ricky Joshi and because I am short, you know. And Ricky Joshi wore white boots his whole career because he thought it made his legs look longer than they were. Thank <laughs> you, thank yeah. you, Doctor Tom and I. Doctor Tom Pritchard thinks I'm an idiot because I told him that white boots. If you wear white boots, it makes you look uh, taller and faster. And he was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, <laughs> you're an idiot. And so we had many fights about this. And he still mocks me for that. Uh, on but, the side of Ricky Joshi, he truly believe that. I'm, a Choshi, yeah. I'm like Ishii. I'm a Choshu guy. I'm, I'm down with yeah. that. 
Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Karina Wright that shows she wore uh, Eternity for Women? <laughs> no. Like perfume? Right. No, I did not know that. Yeah, that's what Carino said. And the reason that he knew that is because he had a girlfriend in high school that wore it. That was. So he recognized <laughs> it. He, it, he smelled Ishii as well, and Ishii wore the same thing. That's how you knew. Uh, but do, do you ever think, like, this is, you know, this is as as in, inside baseball as, as people are going to get? You know, this is, like, the, the, the thing from ringside. But one thing that's taken me far furthest aback than, than anything over this, this crazy year has been sitting ringside, you know, with your correct uh, hall and thinking every time evil smells, but walks by, he smells delicious. He does. <laughs> he does it's amazing, so right? yeah. Boy. And what a departure from, from indie guys, you know, that we've smelled in the past where, you know, <laughs> that, you know, they smell like a, you know, a vault has opened up dead bodies in it for a thousand years. Um, and, and yeah, the New Japan, not only is it a bunch of hunky boys, very handsome, very lovely men, uh, but they're all quite good smelling. And those yeah. that are, you know, even the nasty, rotten, no good Nick Heels, Minoru Suzuki and his ilk, uh, they're not offensive. They're not foul, odorous, malodorous either. So it's a good thing. But yes, they're, uh, they all look good. They all smell good. And, uh, that's what. That's a great pleasure. So you have to follow. You can't come in, stink it up the joint. You know no, what I mean? I can't. Yeah, right, right. That's true. Um, yes, God, Jesus. Where, where the fuck were we going to like talk about? Well, we had a string of really good segues, and now we got yeah, into. Now it's just, yeah, it's just boring. But, um, but we've, we've talked about. Now, it's interesting to me that so far, the match that has been promoted the most. Uh, again, we're sitting here re- recording this on December 1st. Um, the match to me that has been promoted the most for Tokyo Dome has been Okada and Jay White. Yeah. They've had, yeah. you know, we've had the least amount of interaction between Tanahashi and Omega. Uh, we've had no interaction between Naito and Jericho. And the other matches... Have have still yet to fully be, you know, sh- you know the junior heavyweight championship. We've had a lot of, we had a lot of interaction about the junior heavyweight tag titles mm. at the beginning part of the World Tag League Tour, um, but those are, those are not the marquee matches. But of the big mm. three, we've seen the most about Okada and Jay White, and that's interesting. That's telling. So. What has sold more tickets? What what's selling the tickets in Japan? Is it the brand? Is it the name Wrestle Kingdom? Is it the event, the date, the Friday, or is it a specific match, Chris? What say you? I think it's a lot of things, but I think you can put a good deal of it on Tanahashi and, and Jay. But I think it's getting to the point. It is almost to the point now where the the brand is you know is a big seller. Um, but I, th- I think a lot of people have, re- have really just bought into the, the Tanahashi arc at the same time. I mean, yeah, Okada and White, it is, you know, that they have done the, the most. I think like part of that is the, the convenience and, or born out of necessity in that, well, these guys are always here. And like, that's another sort of level to the, the story that they're telling in the, in the top two matches. Um, but 
I think I still think Tanahashi is the the, the biggest draw here, and, and that main event is big because a lot of people discount Kenny as a draw in Japan. You know, and I think like there is like this this misconception that you have to be a Japanese to draw in Japan, and Kenny is has the history here, has a big connection with people here, and um, you know, and and I mean, we saw it King of Pro Wrestling, right? They did that show. They announced that that triple threat uh, like a week out, and you know, and it, and it wasn't uh, you know from it wasn't a, a super fast ad- advance. Um, you know, before that, that card was, was announced, but they, they announced the triple threat and that main event. And, um, you know, it was a good close to, if not sold out, you know, that, that night in real Goku, you know, and that, that speaks to how popular, you know, Kenny, Kenny still is or is in Japan and, and how much he connects to people. Yeah. The match that sold the most, as far as King of Pro Wrestling in the last few years was Marifuji and Okada, mm. uh, four with evil and Okada down a little bit. Uh, down from that this year, the triple threat up. Um, so, but but only a couple of hundred tickets. Not a not a you know it's not right. like Evil and Okada only sold six grand. Uh, it was what ninety eight and ninety five. I think it was you know a little subtle difference there. So, I think it's the brand now. I really do. I think it's yeah. the name. I think it's the energy and the excitement of of what it is and. The match is the match. Oh, these are these are the guys that are wrestling. Okay, cool. Um, I when I when I was a kid, it was the same thing. It became more about the date. Hey, we can go. Well, good. Who's wrestling? I was more interested yeah. in going than who was and, on the card. It, sometimes you go and it's like ah, I don't really care for them that much. And sometimes you go and it's like oh, good. It it worked out that I was able to come to a show that my favorites were in. It was. I was watching. Uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of the sort of prime tier, prime time era of new japan recently and the the sort of 82 83 matches and um you know, when it was sort of of course like primetime tv and and super hot and these cards are super hot and uh it's uh, amazing and the wrestling's great but there's so many fuck finishes <laughs> like, yeah. and that had to be you know, you'd have thought that would weigh on people's minds a little bit, but it didn't. It, it didn't matter. Like, it, you know, this this stuff was was shit hot. Eventually, we're going to get a finish at some point down the road, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, it was like the, um, you know, I just came off before, you know, we we connected the old Skype pipe here. You know, we just came off watching um, the Choshu Fujinami from 84, February 3rd, 84. And, you know, they called it the, the Sapporo terrorist incident. Um, you know, because like Choshu comes out for the main event of the, of this show, Choshu, you know, he's been chasing Fujinami for, for ages. Fujinami got the title. So like, you know, Choshu's trying to get it back. And, um, they did this thing with the Oshiaki Fujiwara comes out and, uh, beats the piss out of Choshu before. So like he's, he's bloodied up and, you know, they, they just, Choshu winds up brawling a bit with Fujinami and, and the, the match never starts main event of the show in Sapporo, you know, and not like a, a, not as stunning. There's no sort of dream matches underneath to, to back that up. You know, it's just, here's this main event we've been building to for like near a year. Uh, fuck you. You don't get it, but like, it doesn't matter because, because everything's just, just so red hot. But I mean, they're red hot because those guys were red hot as well. Right. If, if you didn't have, 
the Ricky Choshu being on the tether he was and Fujinami on the tether he was and, and Tiger Mask as well, you know, and, and if you didn't have those guys, then the, the, you know, it's like a chicken and egg scenario at some point, you need the guys to, to make the brand that hot in the first place. True. Absolutely. Right. When you looked at, when you look at weekly towns, uh, you know, different territories in the United States were either weekly towns, uh, like your Memphis, uh, those were every Monday night, mid South Coliseum, We've got to have something new, fresh. Yes, you could be in a program and you could run, you know, Lawler and Dundee five times in a row, but then you're going to have to pivot into something else completely different. And they were able to get you could but you know, in in more of the monthly territories like New York, you could get longer runs out of different things. And, um, you know, that was the case. Eventually, though, everything does you need to get away from that becomes that reliance and that comfort zone. No, these guys are our main eventers. This is what we must do because this is where we have had our success. And eventually then you get to where the people have grown so tired of it that they're lighting the cushions on fire and, you know, hating the booking in what, 87. Mm. So it, 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 it can happen and you've got to be willing to stay fresh and adapt and change. You look at, you look at the way, Things have changed now. Yeah, with Jay White and with Bullet Club and with uh, Gato and you know Gato on the backpedal now to me is my most favorite thing in New Japan. I could watch that forever. I just want to never mm. see him walk forward. I only want to see him walk backwards <laughs> with his hands. Right, I just love it so much. But um, we, they completely freshen things up. So when people will look at cards in 2019, they're going to see a lot of different people and a lot of different teams and a lot of different pieces are going to move. Uh, and the puzzle hasn't been fully rebuilt yet. Um, not necessarily new. There'll be some additions. Shingo, you know, a brand, a brand new name for for New Japan, who they've just begun to scratch the surface with, but I think is going to have a remarkable year. And uh, Ishimori on the junior side, a new name, relatively new. There'll be some new names. There'll be some faces that we haven't seen in a while. But um, it's going to look different, and the cards are going to be. It's going to, we're going to shuffle up the deck a little bit in 2019, I think, in just the right time. Yeah, and, and the one guy we, we haven't talked about is is Tetsuya Naito. And where and what do we do with Tetsuya Naito? Because, you know, I think, like, as soon as, you know, the when I was watching that match live, you know, I kind of knew, you know, after he, after he first goes for the Stardust Press, it was like, yeah, his his card is winning, you know, and, and um, I was fine with that, you know, because I thought, you know, that was it was such a wonderful, you know, Tetsuya Naito is like such an amazing guy, and and really that probably speaks to like him as the leader of of Lij because everybody in that group is such a, a, such amazing character guys, right? And they they're so dialed in and, and know who they are, and and like that the sort of tragedy of Tetsuya Naito like finally getting into this this spot you know because he he talks about I I needed to be myself you know and, and not care about what other people thought to get successful and then he finally gets into the main event in the Tokyo Dome and he's so wrapped up with pretending you know trying to be the stardust genius that that he he thinks he wants the people to see and that's that's why he loses you know um and it was, you know, yeah, you know, I, I remember finishing watching that show and everybody's pissed that, that Naito loses. But it's like, you know, at the time I was thinking, 
know, it's clearly this this one little trip and he will get back up there. Then there's another part of me that's that's thinking he doesn't really need to be back up there. And, you know, he's the the easiest comparison to make is between Tetsuya Naito and Masahiro Chono, like because they pretty much have one to one almost the exact same career path of a guy that's that's a a good worker, a good wrestler, but kind of not really anybody to put sink their teeth into or whatever. They they suddenly find themselves as the leader of the, of this this hot new group and it, it becomes amazing. They have this career change and and they find their charisma and they tap into everything and and everything's wonderful and they sell uh, millions of, of units of merchandise or whatever. But um, everybody forgets that Chono only ever held like the IWGP title for one month <laughs> and that was it. You know, and if if it so comes to pass that Tetsuya Naito was only ever IWGP champ for for two months. Then I think everybody eventually down the road, I think everybody will be fine with that, and I think he would be fine with it too. Yeah, the I, the, the um, talk about having your finger on the pulse of what you want and where your audience is, and knowing exactly which way to go, and and it's really predicated not so much on his wrestling, but on what he says after his matches. You know, he sells all the time. And while he complains, in quotes, that the Dream Tag match is overshadowing the World Tag League, he says that he'll be watching on New Japan World because he wants to follow along. He's an amazing businessman uh, and doesn't get enough credit. Same with Chono. <laughs> and, and again, when Chono was the one that gave him the, you know, the dap there for the G1 win, it's like, okay – now I really get the comparison. So you're exactly right. He doesn't need the belt. He doesn't need it. How would this year have been different or better for him? How would it have been better if he would have beaten Okada at the Dome? I don't think it would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that it would have changed 2019. And I think it still gives us some place to go, potentially, if that's the direction that they want to. Um, you, you can... You can't go wrong when you have a guy like Naito. You can't go wrong when you have a top four like New Japan does now. And if there are any changes, because again, as we record this, we do not know. It's no secret that Kenny Omega might not return to New Japan in 2019 or might be on a different schedule or might be doing something different. We have no idea. But who will step up and take that spot? I don't know. Uh, But there's a few. There's a few candidates, let's just say, and it'd be interesting to see what happens if and when. Uh, but I love Naito. I love everything that he does. And he has, um, to me, he can do no wrong. It doesn't matter what he does. I just think it's the coolest thing. Hmm. Um, all right. So just to, to round us out, 2020. Uh, so one year on from now. Uh, it'll be a Saturday in the Tokyo Dome. It may well be that, you know, the, the, this show, and it's on a, a tremendous sort of track in terms of uh, the ticket sales so far have been very good. Um, who knows how many people will be there? Um, but I know that the, the publicly stated goal for, for quite some time has been 2020. We, we want to sell the place out. So we want to do 40,000 plus because, you know, we kind of count 40,000 as a sellout. Um, what do you think's in the main event 
a Wrestle Kingdom 14 that's going to fill that building? It's a hell of a question. Uh, I would say right now it's Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi. Mm. I think. I think. Because I'm thinking about how I get to where I'm getting to and what I, and do I need to, I need to make sure that I don't end, that my universe does not end on January 4th, 2020. So I have to do something there business wise to elongate, to continue and to keep things moving forward. But there being a huge symbolic push towards wanting to sell out. So what's going to sell the most tickets now and this is, and we're a year and a month away from that event. That might be where I would lean, just based upon the fact that the business that that match did, you know, not necessarily. Not, I'm not talking about box office business, but symbolic business that the match did, uh, G127 with uh, Ibushi and and Tanahashi. I think that's where I think that's where this story arc is going. Hmm. I think that eventually, because I think Tanahashi's goal in all of this has to get Kota Ibushi to finally step up to be the man that Tanahashi has always wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And Ibushi has been petulant and young and irresponsible and, you know, all of these different things. But now it's time for him to step up, be the man, sell out the Tokyo Dome, and to take his rightful place that Tanahashi has always said, this is where you should be. And this might be the passing of the torch, if you will. Hmm. It's kind of where my heart, my gut lies right now. That's what do you good. think? That's good. I put you on the spot and then I didn't have an answer for myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh-huh. but, geez, I kind of think, you know, on the, the current track where we are now, you know, I think Jay White's going to be up there. And yep. could it be Jay Okada? Could it be could it be Jay Naito? Could it be Jay Tanahashi? I don't know. They're probably one of those three situations. I don't know whether see I part of me thinking like this is Tanahashi's last Tokyo Dome main event, I think. Yeah, you know, I just got that that kind of inkling. Um but then there's this other thing of oh, it's such a momentous thing, and we and we want to have like you know this this guy that that's that's carried the carried the wagon for so long and and like one more time in the in the main event. But I also think like 2020 is 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 very momentous, but also like 2019 is very momentous, just in terms of like the you know historically and everything that's going on in the country and 2020 the the olympic year and and so much is is changing then but also you know 2019 we've got that that end to this era you know the the heisei era and and everybody in wrestling and in japan talks about showa wrestling and hey and heisei wrestling and um you know it, it's kind of there's there is that symbolism of like tanahashi being in the main event this year as the last days of Heisei and like whether he's still that guy in 2019 or whether we have, you know, Okada as, as the ace of whatever our next year is, um, 
or whether that's somebody else. But it's one of those, I think it's one of those homegrown guys. And I think a Japanese guy against Jay White is what I could very. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, um, I can't argue with you there at all. And I don't think it would hurt business in the least. Um, I think it's, I think the, the fact that Gato is with Switchblade now says that the long money is with Jay White. And that's that that's what this wasn't done to hotshot business. This was done because we're, we're doing this now so that we can do business two, three years from now and beyond. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that could be. And if not 2020, then 2021 for sure. Mm. Um, I, I just think that you have to look at how how and where business is. Is it Okada versus uh, Ibushi? Um, could be. And I, I might, if this is Tanahashi's last dome main event, then I would, um, I would lean towards perhaps double main event scenario again, which doesn't hurt my feelings at all with Naito and Jay White and Ibushi and Okada in that top four, Hmm. um, mix them up any way you want. I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. So there you go. What do you mean That's, we have to wait? I we'll need have, you to we'll get to that time. No, time machine. We've talked yes. about this. You must finish it so that we yes. can go, you with your short pants, and, and uh, I want to know how much more hair I will lose in the next year. Will I just be a complete, you know, ridiculous-looking goof with the little bit of hair that I have? Will some miracle product form, and will I be able to um, – regrow some hair or will I just continue to be on the slow decline? I need to know these things, Chris. So let's go. Welcome. Time machine. On with with uh, Kushida. See if he's rented at all. Please. Yeah. What a trio yeah. that would write. We could write a book, <laughs> podcast companion. It would be just right. wonderful. Uh, Kushida could videotape it and he could do his video diaries and uh, we'll just have a blast. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's that's the end of this uh, of this journey of this whole thing with uh, with uh, the the actual with the books. Um, it's it's all kind of done and, and put to bed. Uh, by tell, now, the audience, of course. tell the audience right now. Tell them right now, Chris, and don't lie. Tell them right now what your next book is. Go. Um, I can't because I like I know what I want to do. And then it depends whether the, the people who are who own what I want to do will <laughs> let me do it. But so we'll see. It's like next year is going to be fucking crazy. <laughs> it's going to start like, it's going to start like, because you know, it's just, it, it is like ridiculous. Like the, this year has been, you know, flipping ridiculous. And then, you know, it was like 2019. The, the first thing I'm going to be doing is like announcing it in fucking Tokyo. Dome. Right. That's, Bizarre. I don't know. That, but well, I mean, you so, must get Yoshitatsu, that someday. Yoshitatsu, Yoshitatsu announced the Tokyo Dome as well. Sure. So, do you want sure. to be just be a footnote, or do you want to be? You know, I yeah. I think there there could be a return engagement for you uh, going forward. So, but I think it's great. Yeah. And look at look look at where we are. You know, uh, Fuji and New Japan World has talked about wanting to sort of bridge the gap and and to sort of have that one commentary team and. You know, the idea that I've 
I've talked about and would love to see at some point is you, me, and Milano do a show together. Can you oh, imagine? That'd be great. That'd right? Speaks Japanese. Yeah. He analyzes in Japanese. I call the play by play in English. And I don't need you to interpret. I I think what you do is you sort of speak to both of us. Yeah. Because you know how I call the play by play and then I direct the questions to you and and to Don, for example. I think that would be the role that you're in. I think, and, and Milano understands enough English to where he and I could conversate a little bit. Uh, I understand enough Japanese to where, especially Milano, um, you know, to, to understand where Milano is, I think fans would love it. I wouldn't do it every show. I would do it as a, I would do it as a special event. I would do it for a core kit. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think people would love it. And I think that eventually is where we're going to get to. Because if you think about it, where's technology going to get to, you'll be able to speak and I'll be able to instantly hear you in Japanese or German or any English that I, or any language that I want. Um, that's where translation is going to get to through, you know, artificial intelligence and the like. So I, I just, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the, and I'm not one of these get off my lawn guys the other way. I love technology. I love new stuff and I love all these new, exciting things that are happening. So having you be a part of this and being able to translate and do commentary at the same time, there isn't anybody else like you in the whole wide world. Yeah, man. Very proud of you. Well, Thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. That's uh, yeah. We've got to be careful. We don't get replaced by cyborgs doing the announcing. Well, course, eventually. Like, that's that. That's yeah. the next step. It's just like cyborg wrestling because like, you know, oh, I, you know, you don't want people getting injured, all this stuff. What, what's you don't that? have to you, get robots in there. They can I'm be, not they paying shit each other for real. <laughs> Why the hell would I pay wrestlers? <laughs> yeah. They're just going to, they're just going to do a bunch of spots and no, no emotion and no selling. Why not just have robots do it? Mm, exactly. Don't think I haven't heard that before. <laughs> oh God, it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Because why would I pay? Why would I pay sure, for this? Sure, 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 sure. I don't sure. have to pay human beings. I don't have to pay cyborgs. I don't have to pay robots. And this is all, all the people yeah. want to see are these dopey moves anyway. That's why the emotion and the drama needs to be because robots could never get yeah, the, the computerized man of the nineties. Who was that? <laughs> yeah, the Terry right Foundation, isn't it? There, there you go. Yeah. Terrence Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Great. Um, right. Let's, uh, let's plug our stuff on the way out. Uh, eggshells for wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it by now. God, God, I hope so. Uh, on audible as well. Um, new Japan world. I guess if you're listening to this as a backer, God, world tag league is probably still on. Um, so check your local listings. Uh, for that and then Wrestle Kingdom will be January the 4th I think if you're probably if you're getting this in the the general public post wrestling schedule then I think we're heading towards Fantastic Mania so um, so that's always fun it um, is and yeah. yeah we've got Access and New Japan World oh god uh, Access uh, shit that was another thing it's like oh god I'm gonna be heard on Access as well <laughs> Well, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work around, work on that because uh, mm-hmm. they're gonna have to they're turning the show around in in the same day. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they do, and uh, you know, entering a new era of the partnership between Access and New Japan with a quicker turnaround and more relevancy in terms of 
and more immediacy of deliverance of, of show. So um, New Japan World is a, a great companion piece to everything else because I think there's it's not just going to be one source anymore. Yes, God, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, go out and go out as well, and and go back and listen to the archives because you know I know that uh, I know Kevin, you're you're going to be hard at work in the studio like next time uh, you're you're over here, and um, you know I know that there's discussions about okay, we want like everything is going to have some English explanation, you know, at some point it might take a little while to to get there, but like. Um, yeah, I think I think that's like a big step of, of finally just like demystifying everything that's that's on those archives and then growing those archives as well, you know. And then and then um, partnerships like with Goldwolf Productions in California, who've produced a lot of the content that fans are seeing on the YouTube page as well. And the subscription mm. to New Japan YouTube page is a must. The, they do, uh, you know, the people we have do do great job on the subtitles and like the oh god, everything the 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 wires and the recaps and like the, the history pieces that they're going up and um, yeah, there's, there's so much stuff there for, for free, for free, for free. Um, free. And also if you pay money, then you get for free and, and a lot more stuff. So that's, that's brilliant. Right. And all the backers of this wonderful project and this wonderful journey uh, that Chris has taken us on. Thank you. Uh, because yes. of you, I was able to enjoy this great book and many others have been able to enjoy this great book and it will stand as a, a piece that will of course require accompanying volumes over the years. But, um, for, to be able to have this retrospective look back in history and say, these are the events that happened and this is the stories that tied these events together. Um, so thanks to the backers who, you know, were able to help bring this to life. Absolutely. Yes. You, you said it better than I ever would, which is why, um, you're the man in charge. <laughs> you steer this, you steer the ship. And, uh, and then, you know, I, 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 I said, even though I, I'm not going to say it, I thought of her name. So I'm good. And then, now. Uh, okay, cool. And then, uh, then Don Callis insults me and then, and then we keep going. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Don insults me. It was so great. <laughs> much fun. Uh, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom fun. is going to be Wrestle Kingdom is going to be a blast. Yeah. And um, you know, if we all don't get fired, then we'll be um, moving onward and upward through uh, 2019. Super, super. Uh, so yes, uh, thanks. Of course, uh, thanks to to Pro Wrestling and and John and and Way and uh, listen to all that stuff going forward. And uh, you never know, I I might drop by. Kevin might drop by. Who knows? Uh, at some point on on one of their shows. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.